This is the Travel Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Propelic, bringing you the news and insights and what's working and not working in today's competitive transportation and tourism landscape. From emerging brands to the most established professionals, these lessons of intelligent marketing will help your marketing plan travel further. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me for this first episode of the Travel Marketing Podcast. I am so excited to get started. And today I've got a great guest. We had a great conversation. His name is Jared Kimrowski. He is a brilliant mind when it comes to travel marketing. He actually comes from a background of working in banking and had to travel over 100 days per year. And in 2017, he left his corporate job and he now has a team of 10 where they're writing ongoing content about how to travel on the cheap and effectively. He even flies over 100,000 miles per year himself. So we're going to get started. This is the first episode again, so it's going to be a little scrappy, but here we go. Hey, Jared, thanks so much for coming on. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brennan. Excited to be here. Awesome. So, so what I'd love to do is just since we have a relationship outside of outside of just this conversation, I wanted to catch everybody up and tell them how we know each other. So, we've been working together for what, like three years now, two years? Yes, time has flown by. Time has flown. I think it was September 2020, and you you certainly have had a lot of new experiences in your life lately, right? With uh, Theo being born. Yes, being a new dad, trying to run a business. Uh, yeah, it's great. How's it having a baby? It, I mean, it's amazing. It's a ride. I don't know how to describe it, but yeah, it's been great so far. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear it's gone well. And we also are both members of the Entrepreneurs Organization. And I know my team loves working with y'all. So I'm super honored to have you as the first guest on the show. I think it's a, a great opportunity for us to share our story together, to hear a little bit more about what's working for you. But before we get started, one of the things I'm going to be asking on the show is um, to get started. What is your most memorable travel experience? My most memorable travel experience would have to be, I think, my first trip with my wife. Well, girlfriend, now wife. And it would have been like 2010. So like people think, oh, you're on Thrifty Traveler. You must have been traveling since you're like two. But my first European trip, I was like 24. And definitely was my most memorable. My wife had traveled a lot. We covered too many cities, but I got a little aggressive because I didn't know what I was doing, but just had an amazing time. And that's kind of like the springboard of like my obsession with travel and starting Thrifty Traveler. So where did you go on that trip? We went to France and the UK, and I think that's it, but too many cities in too few days. Too many cities. Yes. All right. Is there something specific about that experience that you'll never forget? Uh, Just exploring somewhere very new with someone I cared about deeply. Got it. I think that's what made it special. It is. I I know Thomas, my fiance and I, we recently got back from Italy and we went to Piedmont and Cinque Terre. And and, uh, I don't think that experience by myself would have been nearly as enjoyable as it was with him. No, but Italy is an amazing experience, no matter how how you travel. And we use some of the tips from your your site to uh, make that travel experience luxurious. And that's actually a good segue. So I want to hear, um, just so everybody knows, obviously, I'm very familiar with what you do. But tell me more about Thrifty Traveler and what y'all are trying to do in the market and the travel and tourism space. Yeah, so I started Thrifty Traveler in 2015, just trying to help people travel on the cheap. Like I had friends and family that were asking me, you know, how are, how can you afford to travel? <laughs> you know, I didn't think you like inherited a lot of money or anything like that. Or, you know, you have student loans. I know that. Like, how do you do it? So I started Thrifty Traveler just to essentially 
pass along tips, tricks, and things of that nature. And ultimately, uh, the site evolved into more of a flight deal website. We found that that was like the singular easiest way to help people easily save on their next trip. So started out in 2015. I quit my full-time job in 2017, and now we have 10 employees and we're based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. So that job that you're talking about, so you come from a finance background, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a CPA. I worked in banking, worked for the federal government for the FDIC. So I was a federal bank examiner for almost eight years. I've learned now looking back, it took me a while, just valuable experience looking at different financial institutions, but more importantly, looking at thousands of different businesses, like borrowers within those banks, learning, you know, what those businesses did well, didn't do well, and pitfalls to avoid, which have proven to be quite valuable experiences. That seems like some unfair insight right there. (laughs) (laughs) It it is. It took me a long time to actually like look back and like kind of connect the dots, especially as we went through the pandemic. Yeah. But I learned a lot and, and I was able to apply a lot of that. Yeah. And I want to talk in a a minute about what you did during the pandemic, because I think that's one of the things about thrifty travelers that y'all actually, unlike most businesses in the travel and tourism space that we we've seen and worked with rather than, than staying the same size or more frequently shrinking, y'all actually grew during the pandemic. So let's break this down into a couple of stages. So, um, just to, to map everything for you, you, you've grown in traffic by 600% over the past two years. So let's go back to March, April, May, 2020. The world is shutting down. Nobody's traveling. Planes go from being full to having two people on them. So early pandemic, what was Thrifty Traveler doing to stay afloat? So the very first thing I did, and this comes from my finance background, is I did all these different scenarios within our business, like our financial statements of like 30% drop in revenue. What do we have to do? Mm. 20% drop in revenue. What do we have to do? So very nerdy, but right away just slashed costs just boiling everything down to what is essential within our company. Um, And, you know, once I had done that, then we kind of focus more obviously on our customers and how can we provide value during this time? Mm -hmm. How can we help people? Because it was just so confusing. Uh, Obviously, flights were being canceled. The world was seismically shifting. And um, we're just like, what can we do to help? And really, for the most part, that was just providing insight into, you know, what to do with current bookings, future bookings, travel, you know, where are the flight deals at? Where can you travel? So it was a lot, but it didn't seem at the time like it was financially the best thing to do. But I think it really helped create some big super fans, we'd call them people who, you know, will follow us, you know, what it feels like forever, because we help them through those tough times. Yeah. So that's interesting. I think the nerdiness we have in common because about 80% of most of my weekends, I'm looking at financial models and forecasting based on deals and and, and so on and so forth. So it sounds like you have a pretty uh, meaningful forecast model. Did Did your expectations, did things turn out better or worse than you thought early on in the pandemic? You know what? They were worse at first and then mm-hmm. they got better. I mean, just like most organizations, I mean, we had to furlough people. We made some tough decisions. We were able to keep our team intact, but there were six months where I wasn't sure what was going to happen because we had some sources of revenue that completely dried up, uh, like completely gone, and a lot of organizations folded. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, we were diversified from a revenue perspective, but it, it wasn't easy. But then I think we made some good decisions, and then we did some very targeted promotions that allowed us to quickly spring back and then grow incredibly quickly. 
Got it. I'm gonna I wanna come back to that in a second. So you were interested in and serving your customers, which is of course one of the most important things for any organization that's that's B2C, which most travel industry businesses are. As far as the team that you have who we love working with, the people that we get to work with on our SEO campaign together. What was the experience like? I mean, I, I'm not trying to salt a wound, but I know that for anybody in management and leadership at that time, it was difficult. So what did you learn from that experience of, of having to make those difficult decisions? So we over-communicated, I think would be the best way to describe it, what was happening. So like right away, March 2020, telling our employees, you know, this is what I'm kind of forecasting. This is the expenses that we've cut. You know, we did have to cut salaries. You know, this is my expectation of how long we'll have to cut. And just being really open and honest with our employees. We share financials, still do, on a quarterly basis with all employees. Um, and when they had that insight and knowledge, you know, there wasn't that vacuum of, you know, where they didn't know what was going to happen. And I think they, they appreciated that. I was glad that they had that knowledge. So there wasn't this like, again, vacuum of not knowing what was going on. And I think it just kind of bolstered, I think the relationships within the company and, and made everybody very trusting. And that was a good foundation to kind of build off of. Yeah. I mean, we, as an organization, we're very similar in that way. And we look at, you know, say it like it is, it's one of our core values. And, and that's one of the things we appreciate about working with y'all is because when we've made some difficult decisions together, I think URL restructuring, which is one of the reasons y'all have been nominated and shortlisted for a U.S. search award, the decision to do something, which I want to talk about that in a second too, that URL restructuring, the difficult decisions where we don't know what's going to happen, we have open and honest communication of negatives and positive outcomes, it creates a much more meaningful relationship and we're able to get more aligned more easily. So back to the pandemic. So we're past this initial stage. I know y'all started releasing some travel guidance and some uh, some where can you travel content. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you were managing to put that out and develop an audience even through the time when nobody was really traveling? Yeah, yeah. So flights can be booked up to 11 months out. So we're like, you know, here are the places that are going to be open, you know, giving people like insider tips on, you know, how to get their if you do a refund, you know, how to know because airlines don't make that easier. They've made it easier over time over the last two years. (laughs) But really just going to bat for our customers. I don't know, I, I always think about like, if my mother was in my customer's shoes, how can I easily explain this to them? So trying to distill that content down in an easy to consume fashion, I think is, and we just kept pounding the pavement with that stuff. It feels like we're saying it all the time, but people, so many people hear it for the first time. I mean, in, in that situation, we talk about SEO as something that is there to establish trust with an audience and to build a relationship and build brand affinity um, for a company that gets its revenue from impressions like a, a media site, which is I know you talked about a diversified revenue stream, any company with ads on their site generates ad revenue. So of course, you can get an impression and generate money. But also, if you're selling a service like Thrifty Traveler Premium, which we'll talk about at the end of this show, I really, uh, we love it. So I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to share that. When you have the opportunity to get a brand impression and give meaningful information that's helping somebody like travel restrictions information, what we've learned and and what we see together is that it builds more brand affinity that allows people to be more confident in making a purchase decision with something like Thrifty Traveler Premium. Exactly. So we've got the early pandemic settled and kind of understand what you were doing there. 
And everything starts to look better when flights start operating, planes start getting to half capacity. We're talking mid-pandemic time, right before Delta hit. You're growing. Tell me about Delta, because I know that that was something that we went through together um, and you experienced it firsthand. What was that experience like for you when everything was growing and then we kind of hit this new wave of the pandemic? Yeah, it felt like, you know, we've been here before, you know, we've experienced this. So we had a textbook kind of for it, even if you think into like fall of 2020, and we started working with your team, Brennan, you know, we were working on here are the things that we can control, optimizing SEO, optimizing landing pages um, for conversions, just working on all of our weak spots. So we always went back to that. You know, it felt like a very dark time, but we were seeing already some positive results from just like just tweaking various weak points of, of the website and the company, um, trying to bring in experts to fix things. But I will say, yeah, Delta was a huge, you know, kind of morale hit. Yeah, this is the this is the pain podcast now. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, but it's real and it's important experience. But our team like knew what to do. So we just kind of went back to, you know, all hands on deck, you know, trying to, again, provide information. Things, it was relatively the same. Mm-hmm at least now people had a little, I mean, we had all this content already. Yeah. Uh, so it was just really just revising it, pushing it back out, making it even a little bit better and continuing to just provide value for, for our customers. And our team laughed about it. And most of us barely remember those times, but yeah, we made it through. And, and uh, I think, you know, it was valuable experience. I think, you know, one of the things that we're seeing, you talk about having all this content on station and the experience where you're, you're like, Oh, This is the same thing all over again. We saw two types of experiences in the travel and tourism space. There were companies that we're talking to now that let go of their entire team and had to rebuild completely today. So they they have more budget than they ever have before because travel is coming back so quickly and they don't have expenses for team and they don't have existing marketing campaigns. Um, One of the things I admire about what y'all did, you didn't just cut, you took what was the situation and tried to keep everything that you had, but not at the same rate. So for instance, if if you you talked about furloughing team members, you knew what value there was and who you had on your team. So you didn't want to lose those people. So you don't have to rebuild today. So I know that it was a lot of difficult decisions Decisions, but ultimately, from the outside, it looks like you made a lot of the right ones, trying to keep the people that you had that were so impactful to your growth before the pandemic and now, of course, after and during. So let's do this. Today, we are at a point where we're travel is bouncing back. We'll get into kind of how you're, you're seeing things behave because you have so many visitors on your site. You can see trends, how things are behaving now that we're entering an economic downturn um, to whatever extent we are. But let's talk about maybe two months ago two months ago or three months ago, and we're kind of out of this pandemic time where we're moving into a space where we don't have as much concern around travel. What does your strategy look like now, now that you're out of the pandemic to the extent further than we've ever been? Of course, we're not out of it completely, but what is working for you today? What marketing channels? Yeah, it's really interesting because what we see is like this ebb and kind of like flow of interest in travel and travel sentiment just constantly changing. So you got obviously early pandemic, things just really get restricted and then things exploded. And then you get Delta restricted, vaccines come out, explode. Um, And now we're seeing things kind of come back again because there's just so much negative news with airlines canceling flights, losing bags, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So travel sentiments kind of, you would think, it would be exploding right now because demand is exploding, but there's just a lot of uncertainty and uncertainty for us and most businesses. You know, it's just, uh, it's kind of like death. People don't want to commit to anything possible recession. 
we're just really focusing again on the things that work. So to answer your question, you know, what has worked for us? What do we continue to lean into? Because really what all we've done over the years is just A-B tested what works, what doesn't. Our reliance on SEO with your team, that works. We lean heavily into that. Ads have worked at times, Facebook and, and Google ads. 2021 spring, the ads were working amazingly well. They don't work as well today for us. Um, and we're just constantly trying to shift and try different things. So we push a lot on areas, testing things and the things that work well, we lean harder into and the things that, that don't, we kind of step back, assess, reassess and try again. And that's really where we're at because so many things are outside of our control. Mm-hmm. So we just got to lean into what works. Yeah, I mean, you talk about having the search in place and paid in place. And and I know you're also doing um, retargeting on social, right? Yes, yes. So it's this mix of diversified revenue channels and also diversified marketing channels that seems to be core to your strategy, which I think a lot of brands don't understand. And the audience for this show that we're doing today is um, it's marketers in the travel and tourism space. So if there's one thing you could communicate about diversification, what would you say you've learned about diversification? I think at one time I was like, you know, we only need email. (laughs) It might even sound like ridiculous, but over time it's like definitely being diversified, you know, having all these different ways to not only attract new customers, but test new ways of, of attracting customers and things over time. You know, it's not like I've been in business for a long time, but, uh, you know, seven and eight years, things shift, things that did work no longer work. And you have to just kind of pivot, 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 pivot. And hopefully you've cast a wide enough net to, to capture as many customers as possible. Yeah, I agree. And then <laughs> on the other side of the coin, we've talked about what is working. There are channels that don't work in a lot of spaces. Um, and I'm sure given the place that you're in, where you are a data-driven person, you do like to A-B test things. What doesn't work for Thrifty Traveler? What is a channel that doesn't work? Uh, Facebook ads is a big struggle right now. You know, we've tried Pinterest ads. It's just a lot of paid, yeah. paid ads we struggle with. It's always shifting so quickly. And obviously the, the methodologies of these different large corporations, be it Google or Facebook's changing too, and privacy concerns. And oh, So we feel like we're definitely at like the mercy of these like third parties um, <laughs> and, and those strategies. And, you know, for SEO, we are too a little bit, but it seems like in our experience has been more stable over the last few years and just a, a little bit better return on investment. Yeah, I mean, in SEO, I mean, y'all are doing well, of course, and there's always that inkling or that concern in the back of everybody's head, what if there's an algorithm update? But across the board, I mean, what we've learned is you publish quality content and you develop a a linkable content and make sure your website's crawlable and indexable and you're typically going to be able to maintain your growth. I want to dive a little bit more into that SEO strategy, actually. So how do you, y'all have an editorial calendar, you have a content team. Tell me about how you decide what to publish. You don't. Part of what we publish is definitely geared towards attracting more Thrifty Traveler Premium customers, which is our flight deal subscription service. It's our number one source of revenue. So, no, we definitely that's geared towards you know just people who are on our email list. Maybe not SEO. And then we have the categories that we're really strong in for SEO: anything flight deal related, Google flights related, Delta related, reviews on airlines, things that we know has worked. Like I said before, we lean into that stuff. We continue to create more of that. It's the things that we're good at, which probably isn't a huge shock to you, Brennan. I mean, the things that we love to write about, that we're interested in, that we think we you know, have something to offer for customers, seems to work. You know, As we're developing yeah, our, our content outline and calendar, we lean into the stuff that you know, 
has has worked well in the past and that mm-hmm. for the most part has uh, been a good recipe. Yeah, I mean, there's the concept where you do so well in these categories that you're already performing in. And then for anybody out there that's listening to this that doesn't understand how content grouping works, or if you've ever heard these terms pillar and cluster, generally the idea is if we have one piece of content that's performing well on a specific topic, let's take you know Google Flights, for instance, which Thrifty Traveler ranks number two for that, that search right after Google. Anything they post around Google Flights because of the authority they've built in that space should rank more easily than something that's outside of that space, not related on the website. So the idea is let's go and start to tactically take over specific categories one at a time rather than spreading our content over a, a very large base of topics. So the, all that said, what are what are the types of KPIs and, and performance metrics that you follow with respect to content? Because content is typically, there's this nebulous idea of what it's for and what the outcome is. It can be for brand affinity. It can be for traffic growth. It can be for conversions. What is important to you with respect to content? Yeah, yeah. So uh, myself and two of our senior team members, we have a weekly SEO meeting where we look at, uh, we use Ahrefs as our tool. And we look at just a few of the reports from the last week of, you know, where are the keyword movements? Where have we seen some success maybe that we hadn't expected and that we can lean a little bit more into, you know, and where are we struggling? So we can have uh, you guys at Propelic, you know, take a look at how can we fix this and maybe just tweak it a little bit. So it's just constant, I guess, I making sure you have those KPIs, you know, that scorecard that you're keeping track of, you know, where those movements are happening and and try to make those tweaks to, to get ahead of things and look for opportunities. Yeah. It's so important to know what you're shooting for, right? Without that, you're kind of just monkey throwing darts into the dark. <laughs> <laughs> and we do that too. I mean, sometimes you gotta, we throw that, yeah, the spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. I mean, that's a lot of it too. We are definitely not experts <laughs> on marketing or SEO, but we just keep trying. I mean, persistence has been key to, I think, our success so far. Yeah, I think the spaghetti strategy, everybody has to do a little bit of that. So <laughs> I think you're in good company with everybody listening to this. So before we move on to talk a little bit more about things on a macro level, the most interesting thing, we actually discussed this a little bit over email, but I think most can be learned from failures. So let's go back to the to the uncomfortable things. We're not going to talk about the pandemic, don't worry, but we'll talk about just a failed launcher marketing campaign. Tell me about a time that you you did something you thought it was going to work really well and it just completely, completely did not. Yeah. So we used to, well, we currently do, we do these in-person seminars, which of course didn't happen during the pandemic, but <laughs> hopefully this fall um, and into next year, you know, we're going to have more of these. So anyhow, we'd have, you know, 100 to 200 people at these in-person one-day seminars, you know, like six to eight hours. And they were incredibly successful. The feedback was amazing. Teaching people how to travel on the cheap, credit card travel rewards, flight deals, tools to use, etc. Happy hour at the end. <laughs> and we had almost universal praise for these events. But they took a lot of time and effort for mm-hmm. our team to put on. And it just took a lot of energy for me personally, even though we loved putting these on. So we're like, you know, how can we take this concept and put it online in a video thing that we called Thrifty Traveler University Online so that people can watch at home. So in mid-2019, we started creating this and we're like, you know, this is a scalable solution to something that we do in person. It's going to be huge. And we had, you know, our flight deal subscription service, Thrifty Traveler Premium, was just so successful. And I'm like, I know what people want. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we didn't test it. It's the biggest mistake, not testing a product before you launch it or put, you know, we put 
probably roughly $100,000 into this concept, uh, which at the time was, oh my God, a lot of money for our company and countless hours, probably thousands of hours. We launched it. It was a huge dud. Uh. <laughs> huge dud. <laughs> and you would think going into the pandemic, you know, we launched this in late 2019, an at-home solution to watch videos, to learn how to travel on a cheap. How would that not be popular? So we launched it. We learned so many things from it. It, it just was a huge failure. It doesn't exist. We're going back to in-person seminars now because that's what people want. We, we learned that people just... They first don't want to watch 45-minute videos of me droning on and my team droning on about different ways to cheap travel. And people actually want to be around other people and meet like-minded people who travel. And we didn't understand that. I'm kind of looking forward to grabbing some popcorn and you sending some of those videos over to me tonight. I I couldn't think of a better thing to do. We have a team dinner tonight. I'll tell my team that that's being canceled. Um, Or maybe we'll all just get together and watch the videos. (laughs) It's not good. You look back and it's almost like painful to watch. Yeah. Not only myself, but the other team members, you know, they've even made comments like, I guess, you know, I've heard this said about entrepreneurs, like if you can't look back on what you did a year ago and laugh, like you haven't grown, like you haven't, you haven't gone anywhere. Um, And when I look back and laugh from 2019, I'm like, that guy doesn't know anything. (laughs) Yeah. And that's true for marketers too. I mean, across the board, if you're not pushing the envelope, you're not going to find anything new. So I guess A-B testing is certainly one of the things that, or even even market testing, right? Market testing, just the simplest. If you think you know what your customers want without testing, in my experience, you're a fool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a, a very good friend of mine. Her name is Deb, and she writes a lot about branding and speaks a lot about branding and um, market testing. We did some of that with her before we, we kind of did this positioning work that we're working on as a company. It is invaluable insight to go up to somebody and ask them, what do you think? Right. So I guess that's a tip for anybody here. It's before you, you, this is the benefit of this podcast, right? Not only did Jared learn from this, but everybody gets to learn from this, right? <laughs> yeah, that is the beauty. And I, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm smiling about this. I'm glad that this experience happened. And I'm glad it was now looking back only a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I feel so deeply compelled to share all of my mistakes now for some reason, just to <laughs> level set. But I guess we can save those for another time. I think I could have two full thirty-minute episodes on that. <laughs> failure is failure is a beautiful thing in retrospect. Even better, I could just invite everybody who's witnessed those failures to just speak on my failures and just sit and have a roast session. <laughs> <laughs> Someday, let me know. I'll be there. All right. I don't doubt it one bit. (laughs) So as far as Thrifty Traveler's strategy goes, and we'll talk a little bit about premium in a minute before we wrap up, because I think that's important. But let's let's broaden out a little bit for everybody in the travel marketing space and in the travel space across the board in tourism, because there's been a lot of conversation at the macro level. We're looking at a lot of data coming out from Focusrite and other organizations about travel rebounding by 2024, 25. But I want to hear from somebody who's actually in it on a daily basis. Given all the inflation that we're dealing with, where I think 9.2 was the most recent number, it's the greatest level of inflation since 40 years ago, and then a decreasing GDP and a potential recession that we might learn about in the coming weeks with the release of GDP numbers. What is happening to travel right now? Yeah. I mean, travel is at the moment, I mean, fundamentally a little broken from like a airfare perspective, like airlines Mm -hmm. cut so much during the pandemic that they cannot and will not be able to function like they, they did in 2019, you know, probably until 
I don't know, sometime late in 2023, maybe 2024. I mean, no one really knows mm -hmm. even if it'll be then or how long it's going to take to, to rebuild you know, some of the massive cuts that they made. If somebody tells you they know what's going to happen, don't believe them. Because <laughs> there's, there's just so much that has just changed. Um, and, and I don't know. I don't know what to expect. And that's why we always go back to just us as an organization working on, you know, what are the things that we can do better? Sure. Um, and try to kind of put the blinders a little bit to the outside world. And of course, we're asking our customers, surveying them, asking them how they feel about travel, where they want to travel, what they want to see more of that we do. But beyond that, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think there's a, a, you know, I've been to what, four travel conferences in the past two months, and I have got three or four more lined up for the next quarter. And everybody has a different assumption or a different set of data that says this is when travel is coming back. So I think deeply what resonates is your statement of, I don't know, we don't know. So with that information, I mean, f focusing on the fundamentals, focusing on what works, focusing on what users are looking for, that all makes complete sense. So are there any specific trends um, across travel and tourism that you've been noticing lately? Yeah, I mean, there's there's no question. The singular bright spot that we are seeing as far as like travel news is concerned is the U.S. dollar is appreciating so much more in comparison to other currencies like the euro. So mm -hmm. what that means I mean, your dollar somehow goes further abroad than it ever did before. So when you exchange, you know, dollars for euros, you can save, you know, twenty percent on that glass of prosecco in Italy, or that glass of champagne, or that dinner in Paris. So that is one of the singular things that I don't think consumers have really, or travelers have really wrapped their heads around. That mm -hmm. here at home, inflation is crazy, and inflation abroad is also, you know, similar. But at least we're getting a little bit more value out of our U.S. dollar. You know, when Japan opens up, you know, you compare, you know, our currency to, to the yen. I mean, you're going to get more value. Um, or you go to South Africa, uh, look at the rand. I mean, you're going to see that you can buy more, which is going to be one of the interesting things that I think it's going to take a few months for people to really understand. Um, but that's not going to change based on everything I've seen economically. Um, the U.S. dollar is going to be strong for, for a few years, which is... Uh, I mean, one positive that uh, is great for, for international travel. Yeah, I mean, even before the euro and the U.S. dollar flipped places in value recently, Thomas and I, when we were in Italy and Greece, there was certainly a lot of Prosecco consumed. Um, there was <laughs> <laughs> As I would expect. Of course, I mean, that's it's Italy, right? But we, yes. we noticed, I mean, every time we would go somewhere, it was $6 or $7 US for, for a cocktail, which is very, very different living in Austin, Texas from what we experienced. I think I think I paid maybe $16 or $17 for a Frosé the other day, which is just absolutely absurd. <laughs> I hear you too. And the things, even before, you know, the currencies were different, I mean, alcohol and some food has just generally been cheaper in Europe, mm -hmm. general statement, yeah. or it's subsidized by the government. And now, like you said, you know, with the dollar being strong, I mean, uh, to the euro, yeah, that's $6, essentially six euro um, glass of Prosecco. You're like, hey, like I'm saving and I'm in Italy. <laughs> like <laughs> this is, this is pretty sweet. So, I mean, that's, I don't know, we got to look at, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you know, are positive yeah. and, you know, really that is one of them. For sure. Well, I appreciate that. So before we wrap up, um, I, I do want to speak about this because early on in our work together, y'all gave my team and me access to your thrifty traveler premium service, which is 
one of the coolest travel tools that I have. I mean, you think about uh, Expert Flyer, you think about all these other tools. They they help after you've made the booking. But tell me about Thrifty Traveler Premium, and I want you to share with everybody how, as a service, this makes people able to access travel more easily. That's the part that I find mo- most impressive. Yeah. So, you know, I go back to like 2015, 2016, and I was like, like thinking about, you know, how can we help travelers? And I was always like, what is this problem that pain point that I constantly, constantly have? It's like, I'm constantly searching for flight deals. I'm, I'm constantly looking for ways to use my points and miles, you know, my Delta Sky miles or, or my United miles to, you know, book travel. And it's spending hours and hours and hours. And I was like, you know, we have to create some easy way to, you know, notify people when those cash sales pop up or those award sales pop up. So we created Thrifty Traveler Premium already five years ago, which is a flight deal email subscription service. So for those of you living in the U.S. and Canada, we cover 200 U.S. and Canadian departure cities. Um, So whether you're in, you know, Austin, Texas or Fargo, North Dakota, Lubbock, Texas, I mean, we have almost all of the U.S. and Canada covered for flight deals. Um, And there are other, you know, flight deal services, but they cover like just not very many cities. So, you know, I grew up in Fargo, North Dakota, and I know a lot of people in Fargo. My parents are in Fargo. It's like, I want to find flight deals for those people too. So, you know, we have the whole map covered and we find people flight deals, you know, domestically as well as abroad. And we cover, like I said, cash and points and miles deals. So I feel like this is like the singular tool that can help people save so much on their next trip by finding a flight deal. It's not just an email list. It's a specific customized to where you are and where your departure hub is service. I get to see, I live in Austin and the biggest hub near me is Dallas and Houston. So I set Dallas, Austin and Houston and and I get notifications when there's an opportunity to travel. And sometimes it aligns with where I really need to go, which is fantastic. So great service for anybody that, that hasn't had the chance to check it out. And then broadly speaking, y'all are doing fantastic things on the content side. It's been an absolute pleasure working with you. Congrats on, on your nomination and your shortlisting for the U.S. Search Awards Best Travel Campaign of the Year. Um, we could not have done that without you. Before we wrap up, what I need to know from you, it's a very important question. Where are you going next? <laughs> Our whole team. So I have a five-month-old, my wife and I. So we you know, went to Europe this spring. Um, and then this summer, we're in Minnesota here. And Minnesota in summer is amazing, lake country. So we're staying around home. But we're taking our whole team to an island off of Cancun called Isla Mujeres. Um, for uh, We're doing a, like a, a four-day retreat in September. Wow. Um, so our whole team's headed out there. Very excited. You know, a lot of people think Cancun, they think spring break. But there's a lot of very, very cool places in Mexico that uh, aren't wild, as, as you might imagine. And amazing food, drinks, of course. And a little bit uh, tropical weather doesn't hurt either. No, it does not. Good, sir. Thank you so, so much for joining. I hope you have a fantastic time here, Cancun. And uh, and I'll look forward to, to reconnecting with you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brennan. For more empowering ideas, visit Propelic.com. We're on a mission to create more diversity in thought for the planet and dedicated to helping brands both large and small increase their reach through intelligent travel, transportation, and tourism marketing. P-R-O-P-E-L-L-I-C.com. 